So I'm going to talk to you today about the risk of letting go, the risk of letting go. If you have your sword with you, now, and I mean your Bible, you got to say that these days. I mean your Bible. Turn to the book of Luke. And if you have your sword with you, raise it up in the air and say, here it is. Amen. All right. And if you don't have it with you, we have the text up there up um, on the screens for you. And I'm reading out of the New King James Version of the Bible, Luke chapter 5. And we're going to start at verse 4. And let's just read. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. The Simon answered and told him something he didn't think he knew. Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, and that's where Peter's life changed. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. Folks, when God blesses you, He doesn't bless you a little bit. When God blesses you, He doesn't kind of bless you. When God blesses you, it's more than you can handle. Look what happened here. Their net was breaking, and they had to call for help. Oh, I look forward to the day I have to call other churches and say, come help us. All right? So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that both began to sink. Wouldn't you love your bank account to be sinking like that? It was such a blessing, the boats began to sink. I used to fish at Lake Fork in East Texas. And I cannot imagine a day where my bass boat sank because of what I caught. I'd still be talking about it today. You wouldn't hear a message. I'd be talking about that day. All right, now let's look here. It goes on. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. Who? O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Now, the verse I'm going for is the next one. So when they had brought their boats to land, read the last words with me, would you? They forsook all and followed him. Father, we just thank you for your word today. And I pray that this word falls on fertile ground. I pray that you'll remove from our hearts and our minds right now distracting cares, distracting worries, distracting fears, and help us to fully concentrate on and absorb the Word of God today. I pray that it will change us. I pray it will renew us. I pray that it will ignite fresh faith. And I pray you will help us today, Lord, to let go of what holds us back. Now, can you breathe a prayer today and just say, Jesus, today I receive the Word of God. Change my life. Amen. Tell your neighbor, you just prayed a dangerous prayer. God heard that. There's, there's prayers and there's dangerous prayers. Amen. We've been talking about the risk the last few weeks. 
and we're going to talk about it again today. The risk of stepping out in faith. There's always a risk, at least on your end. There never was on God's end, but there's a risk on your end. And the risk is you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know how this is going to turn out. And so there is a risk in your human nature. It's, it, it can be scary. It can, be, it can feel like, well, here goes, and uh, boy, I hope this works out. So far, we've talked about two kinds of risk. The risk of vulnerability, making yourself vulnerable to Jesus, without which you'll never go on. And then the risk of obedience, the risk of obeying what he tells you to do. But today I want to talk about the risk of letting go. We're believing God for a year of the miraculous. Now, I want to know if I'm talking to people who want to see God move. You hear this cheering section over here all the time. Some of you from over here look over here like, what are they yelling about? These are a bunch of young people that have been set free. So, so there you go. You say, well, I wish they would kind of keep it to themselves. No, you don't, because Jesus said if, 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 if they were silent, the rocks would start screaming. So there you go. We call this the cage stage, and we don't ever want them out of the cage stage. Now, we are believing for a year of the miraculous. I am. I'm believing that 2016 is going to be a year when God moves. Miraculous open doors. I'm believing God for it. A miraculous harvest of souls. Seriously. I'm believing God for that. Miraculous answers to prayer. I'm believing God for that. And when you have that kind of risky faith, then it always requires being a little bit gutsy, being a little bit adventurous, a little bit willing to get out of the boat and step on that water and see if Jesus doesn't hold you up. That kind of faith. Get out of the safety zone kind of faith. Get out of the lazy boy. Turn off the TV. Get out of your comfort zone. Get into a prayer closet. Shut the door. Cry out to God until God breathes and moves. That, that's what I'm talking about. Some of us need that again. Some of us used to be full of zeal, and now we're just sitting soaking and souring, sitting on our blessed assurance, kind of irritated when somebody around us is zealous like we used to be. Listen, I want us all to be lit again. Well, it's hard to be lit when all this stuff is going on. No, it's not. Being lit is a choice. Stir up the gift of God that is within you. He told Timothy, he didn't say, Timothy, I'm going to come do it for you. He said, you do it now. Risky faith, the risk of letting go, that's where the fruit is. I've noticed that when you step out in faith and it's a little bit risky and it's adventurous and it, and it takes uh, some guts, then that's when you see God move. Somebody said, if you want to go where the real fruit is, go out on a limb. Amen? How many of you want to go where the real fruit is? Then we're going to have to go out on a limb. I'm not talking about foolish faith. I'm not talking about presumptuous. I'm not talking about unbiblical. I'm talking about the kind of faith that we see played out in the lives of the characters in the Bible. They, they, they had risky, adventurous, step-out-on-the-water kind of faith. It, it entails the risk of looking foolish. Ever been there? I've been there a thousand times. The risk of looking foolish. Some of you aren't willing to take that risk, but you're going to. 
The risk of stepping out into the unknown. That's almost always involved in the risk of letting go. The risk of obeying God when it does not make sense to your intellect. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding, your own intellect, the way your own brain tries to figure things out. The risk of putting you and your stuff on the line for the glory of God. It's the kind of risk we see in Simon Peter's life. When Jesus got into his boat, he made himself vulnerable and let him into the boat. Then Jesus said, go out into the deep, and he took the risk of obedience and went out into the deep. And he did it after they had fished all night and caught nothing, so it didn't make any sense. But Peter's life changed when he said, nevertheless, at your word. I don't understand it, but nevertheless. It doesn't look right to me, but nevertheless. It doesn't make sense, but nevertheless, here I go. And his whole life changed with one nevertheless. Because when he went out into the deep and let down his net at the word of the Lord, he caught a net-breaking boat sinking load. And that's what I'm looking for this year, a net-breaking, boat-sinking, stunning, awesome load. What about you? Now, we see that, that, that uh, Peter, after he had caught this incredible uh, catch and he had to call for his business associates, and they were Peter, Andrew, James, and John. There's the four. Peter, Andrew, James, and John. They had to come help him. When they saw this, it says they forsook everything and followed him. Here's what I've noticed. In, in the Bible, there is always a correlation. It is the divine order of things that you can't follow until you forsake. You will not follow Jesus all the way to the end and break the tape at the end until and unless you forsake. Forsaking precedes following like rain follows clouds when you're talking about following Jesus. The, the Greek puts it this way. They, they left everything behind. In a flash, these four men who had fished their whole life left everything Behind, they laid it all down. It was the moment of a total letting go of everything they had ever known. Watch this. Everything they had ever worked for, everything they had assumed they would always have and always do, they laid it down. They walked away. They forsook it. It was their livelihood. It was their craft. It was their identification as men. What do you do? Well, I am a fisherman. It was their identification. They walked away from the only way they'd only known themselves and the only way that anybody else had ever known them. I am a fisherman. They let it go. They walked away. I want you to get the full import of this. This was a major deal. This wasn't going tiptoeing through the tulips of some brief, temporary spiritual trip. They walked away from everything. And they did it based on two things. The miracle they had just witnessed that they knew was divine. They knew this was not normal. They knew that this was divine. They walked away because of that. And at the word of Jesus to them, they walked away. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. It was a word that was pulsating with destiny. Jesus looked at them and said, follow me. 
and I'm going to make you fishers of men. That one word, one sentence from the master, and they put down everything, walked away from everything. Don't be afraid, Peter. Don't be afraid to put it all down because from now on, you're going to catch men. I'm about to really change your life. I've never moved forward in God, personal testimony. I have never moved forward in God, never taken a step of faith, and I've taken a lot of them, into any new level without having to let go of some things. There's always a forsaking before there's a following. There's always a letting go before there is a laying hold. I had to let go of some wrong friendships when I got saved, people that I'd known for years, people that I'd grown up with, but they were destructive relationships. And they weren't walking with Jesus like I wanted to, so I had to let go. I had to let go. It wasn't easy. It was hard. I had to let go. I had to let go of some habits. I had to let go of some pride, the fear of what people were going to say because I was really selling out to Jesus and no one else around me was. I had to let go of some dreams, some of my own aspirations. Here's the deal, folks. In following Jesus We must be willing to let go of what we have in order to lay hold of what is coming. See, it's always a life is a matter of trades. Have you ever noticed walking with Jesus? It's always a trade-off. He says, you give me your death, I'll give you my life. You give me your sin, I'll give you my righteousness. You give me your hell, I'll give you my heaven. You give me your lostness, I'll give you my foundness. It's always a trade. And, and, And who comes out better on the other end of the trade? We do. The disciples left everything they had behind them in order to lay hold of everything that was coming. And look what was coming for those men. Peter let go of fishing for fish in order to lay hold of a great harvest of souls. Paul let go of the position as a respected Jewish rabbi in order to lay hold of his position as the great apostle to the Gentiles. Abraham let go of his hometown of Ur of the Chaldeans in order to lay hold of the promised land. Moses let go of Egypt so that he could later return and deliver God's people from Egypt. There was always a letting goes to lay hold, a forsaking to follow, a relinquishing in order to obtain. That's the way it is in God. Anytime Jesus calls, we've got to have a let go attitude. You know how I hang on to the things of this world as much as I can, real loosely. Just say, boo, and I can let go of it. But you know what I hold tight to? I hold so tight to this word, my fingerprints are on it. The indentions of my fingers are on this word. I'm holding tight to the promises of God. I hold tight to the things of God. I keep a loose grip on the world and a tight grip on the things of God. And, folks, that's where we've got to be because the things of this world can be stolen from you, robbed from you, taken from you. But what God gives you is safe in Jesus' hands. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust corrupt and thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust don't corrupt and thieves can't break through and steal. We've got to have a let-go attitude. You've got to have a loose grip, keep a loose grip on the things of this world. When Jesus called me to follow him, I had to let go, like I already said, old friendships that were dragging me down. I had to let go. I had to let go of my own plans for my life. I had to let go of 
the fear of what others would say. Oh, Wickwire, he's a Jesus freak now. Now I don't care what you say. Say away. I've lived long enough to see when you follow Jesus, you never lose. Never. But in return, I have laid hold of, by God's grace, the blessing of leading thousands of people to Jesus through the years. I've laid hold of a level of education I would never obtain apart from God. I have laid hold of a clean, God-glorifying life, free of drugs and free of corruption. I've laid hold of so many things that I would never have known if I hadn't let go. What's, what is in your hands today you won't let go of? I came to preach it out of your hands because nothing is worth what he's got. We, we let go so we can lay hold of what is coming. Following Jesus always includes the risk of letting go. But, oh, man, what we gain. Now, I want to just, just highlight three things that we're going to deal with. Anytime we've got to let go, and if you're having an issue with letting go of something. Holy Spirit's dealing with you in, in your private life. Nobody else may know about it, but he's dealing with you. You know he's dealing with you because he won't leave you alone. And he keeps talking about that one thing, that one thing. And, it, and it's got you. You think you've got it, but it's got you because you're having a hard time letting go. And anytime you have a hard time letting go, you're dealing with something that's got you. And so you don't know what you're going to do. Well, I'm going to talk about three things that will help you. The first is, anytime I've ever had to let go, I dealt with a fear, and it was the fear of being the loser. If I let go, what's going to happen to me? Because even when something is bad, it's all you've ever known. And so to let go of it is scary. Let go of that relationship. Let go of that thing. Let go of that place. Let go of that habit. It's all you've ever known. And so the, the very thought of letting go of it is scary. And, and you say to yourself, if I let go, if I really let go, what's going to happen to me? Here's what we're really afraid of. I'm going to let go and nothing is going to happen. In other words, if I let go, what if I let go and God doesn't move? What if I let go and doors don't open? What if I let go and I'm just left feeling foolish and looking like a failure? What if I'm left empty-handed with sand sifting through my fingers and I've got nothing to show for letting go and trusting Him? At least if I don't let go, I've got something Scripture says that Peter, Andrew, James, and John dealt with the fear of being the loser quickly. They dealt with it fast. They were so convinced of who Jesus was and that his call to follow him was worth the risk of letting go. They instantly let go of everything and left it all behind. I like the way Mark's gospel put it. It says they immediately left their nets and followed him. You know what that means in the Greek? It means immediately. <laughs> immediately. Instantly. They didn't sit there and think about it. They didn't sit there and ponder it. They didn't, they didn't wring their hands and go off somewhere for a few weeks. When Jesus said, follow me, and I'm going to make you fishers of men, there was something about Jesus. They so trusted him. They, they so knew that it was truth 
that they laid it down. But this fear of losing everything or losing something and having nothing to show for it is what the devil uses to keep people from going on with him. Do you know how many people don't get saved? They're so afraid of what Jesus is going to take away from them. So, so the devil uses this lie. If you let go of that, if you let go of that, if you let that go, if you lay that down, boy, are you going to look like a fool? Are you going to be the world's biggest idiot? People are going to look at you and laugh at you, and, and you're going to end up with nothing. Not only is that a lie, listen, it's a huge lie. Let, let, me, let me tell you why. Jesus left us no doubt what would happen if we laid something down for the kingdom of God. Listen to what he said. Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left, who has let go of house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands. Notice he's got relationships and possessions he's named. For my sake in the Gospels, who shall not, everybody say with me, receive. Who shall not receive. A hundredfold now, everybody say now. now. He's not talking about the sweet by and by, but a hundredfold now, and to make sure we get it, he says, in this lifetime. And then he elaborates, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and lands with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. Now, I want you to notice the trade-off here. I wish I could find this kind of of trade-off in the stock market today, where if I gave a dollar, I got a hundred back. But that's what Jesus said. Anything you lay down so that you can follow him, anything you forsake so you can go on with him, you're going to receive a hundredfold before you die in this lifetime. Now, some of you are looking at me like, you know, really, Jeff, really, do you, do you believe that? I absolutely believe it because... Jesus said it. You can't outgive God. Does, does what I just read sound like a loser, sound like somebody who lost? Not at all. So when faced with the risk of letting go, we often experience the fear of losing. But I want you to go out of here today remembering you will not lose. Anything you laid down, anything you let go of, forsake, walk away from so that you can follow him, you will always wind up the winner. There's a second thing you've got to deal with in the risk of letting go, and that is the necessity of removing obstacles. Now, listen carefully. The book of Hebrews says this, Therefore, we also, that's all of us, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside, now he's going to name two things, every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Then, notice, then we can run. Then we can run with patience, the race that is set before us. So he mentions sins and he mentions weights. Now, in a typical evangelical spirit-filled church, we have no problem knowing what sin is. Sin is when you break God's law and your relationship with him is temporarily broken until you repent and make it right. When a Christian sins, he doesn't lose his salvation, he loses relationship. And the relationship is restored when you repent. You don't get your salvation back, you get your relationship back. And he tells us in this verse 
that there's a second thing we've got to watch out for, and that's a weight. We don't know what a weight is. I don't think we're clear in the church on what a weight is, but the Bible tells us what it is. It is anything that slows us down, hinders our progress, saps our inner strength, eclipses our potential. A weight is something that makes you drag instead of run. You're dragging it. You drag in a church. Pastor Jeff, you better preach me up because I'm down. Put a smile on my face, Jeff, because I'm really barely getting by. You know what's the problem sometimes? A weight. Something is holding you down, hindering you, slowing you down, dragging on your spirit. It's a weight. The difference between a weight and a sin is a sin breaks our relationship with God while a weight hinders our progress in God. That's a weight. Often it's the weights of life that we've got to leave behind or as Hebrews puts it, lay it down. And it's so simple. The language is so simple. It's like if I took this jacket off and just laid it down, and walked away from it. That's the word. Lay it down. The weights in your life, just take them and lay them down and walk away. Just walk away and leave it there. Lay it down. Lay aside every weight. In my own journey, here's what I've learned. There are two kinds of things that come into my life. Things that give me wings and things that are weights. Wings are weights. That is, there are some things in life that help me soar in God. As Isaiah put it, they shall mount up with wings as eagles. We're supposed to be coming in a church like this. Hallelujah. I had a great week. Let me just swoop in and tell you about it. Woo. Instead, whoa, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Pray for me, lay hands on me, anoint me with enough oil to slide me into the next room. I need help. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not preaching something that's not true and attainable. We have a choice. Are you going to let weights in or are you going to let, let wings in? We have a choice with everything that comes into our life. We need to look at it and say, is this wings or is this a weight? Amen. I'll give you some weights, wrong friendships. Nothing will tear you down, take you down, hinder you, mess with you, hinder your growth in God like a wrong friendship. How about a secret habit? We all know what that's like. Negative conversations based in gossip, unbelief, or doubt. You know, you get in that little group of people, you, you step in, and here they go. They're talking negative. They're gossiping. It's full of doubt. It's full of unbelief. You, you feel like, like you're, you're getting muddy just standing there. Now, God didn't give you ear lids. You can't close your ear lids and not hear it, but he gave you feet. I'm walking away. Right? I'm walking away. I don't have to stand here and listen to this. Hey, where are you going? You know, I just feel led elsewhere. Because my desire is to and, and that kind of conversation will, will, will take you down. A worldly attachment that takes the first place position reserved only for Jesus. 
These are weights. They're not necessarily sins, but they're weights. So you have a choice. Do I want wings or do I want weights? Now let me give you something you can put in your pocket and take home with you. You ready? I have never personally given up a weight that Jesus didn't replace it pretty quickly with wings. And I found that Jesus wants us to give up what is holding us up so that he can give us what will lift us up. And, and so you say, well, I'm going to make a trade. I'm going to put this down, this weight, and I'm going to let Jesus give me wings in its place. Because anytime you obey him, you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. 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 So it's a choice between weight or wings. And I'll tell you, the older I get, the less I can afford a weight. I must have wings. I must have wings. Let me just tell you what some, some things that are wings are real quickly. Well, I can just reverse what I told you about the weights. Good friendships, Christian friendships, they will make you soar. A daily time with God, you can't do without it. If you're a Christian and you think you can get by without getting with God on a daily basis, you are sorely deceived. You will not soar. You will drag if you don't get with God because every time you get with God, he just kind of fluffs those wings. And you come out of there soaring. Abide in me and let my words abide in you. And that is when you will ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. So we can safely let go of weights and not fear losing. And I'm going to talk to you about one last thing. The courage to go where you haven't been. Now let me talk to you about the adventure of faith. Anytime you take the risk of letting go, more times than not, you're going to end up being led to do something, go somewhere, undertake something that you've never been that way before. You're leaving the familiar for the unfamiliar, the known for the unknown. There's a verse that when, when Joshua was being led to take the, the, the people into the promised land, they were about to cross the Jordan, and Joshua instructs them, and he says something to them that has always stuck with me and has come to me a thousand times in my walk with God. He said, when you see the priests carrying the ark of God, follow them. You have never before been where we are going now. Mm -mm -mm -mm. So they will guide you. Now, what was the ark? The ark represented the promises of God and the presence of God. And the Bible says that Jesus is the ark of the new covenant. So he said to them, he said, look, guys and gals, here we go, Hebrews. Watch. We're crossing the Jordan into a land not only of fruit and milk and honey, but also of giants. So you keep your eye peeled on that ark. Don't let that ark out of your sight. Only go where the ark goes and don't go anywhere else. What does he say to us today in the New Covenant? He says, keep your eye on the ark of the New Covenant. Keep your eye on Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. And only go where he goes and don't go where he doesn't go and stay real close to him because in this walk of faith, sometimes you're going to be required to go where you have never been. And so you're going to need him close. And you know what's so good about the things you've never been, the places you've never been, when he takes you on a new adventure, a new place, a new undertaking, a new step of faith, you know what's so good about it? That's where the fruit is. That's where the fruit is. 
when Kathy and I, before we ever pastored, I got invited to teach a little Bible study down in East Texas. So we didn't have anything else to do. So we were, because we were waiting on God. And so we went down to East Texas, and here's a little room of about 10, 15 people. And so we, I took my guitar, and I led a few songs, and then did a little Bible study, and then we drove all the way back, two hours, all the way back to Rowlett, where we lived. And um, then we get this call, hey, can you come this Sunday? Because we really enjoyed it, and we'd, we'd love for you to come and just minister again. I said, looked at my blank calendar and said, well, I think we can find time. <laughs> and we went. Now there's 20 people, 25 people. Led worship, taught a little bit, left, got another call. Hey, have you thought about just doing a Bible study? Just, you know, come down every Sunday. We'll give you a little love offering. You come and we'll take care of your gas and just come teach us because we don't have a, a, a church. And I said, well, I looked at my blank calendar again and said, I think we can do it. So we went. And within six weeks, this place had about 50 to 60 people in it. And, it was, and, and there was no more room in the living room. And so I'm thinking, wow, well, I, maybe I can turn this over to somebody. And at the end of that meeting, one of them said, Jeff, we hear the shepherd's voice in you. He said, would you pray about starting a church? You could have hit me in the gut with an iron fist because, A, never did I think I was going to pastor. <laughs> now it's been 33 years. Never did I think. I thought I was going to be an evangelist. Never, ever put God in a box. But this was East Texas where the deer and the antelope really did play. And, and I was raised in a concrete jungle. And for me, every tree was sacred. You don't cut down trees. They're sacred because there's not very many of them. By the time I left East Texas, I had three chainsaws. And I'd go out there and cut down my firewood and bring those great big. But so here's what we did. We said, sure, we'll pray about it. But both Kathy and I were thinking, no way. But Kathy and I began to pray. And neither one of us wanted to admit that that still small voice was saying, go. Now, this was the unknown because this required leaving everybody we knew, a church we loved, all of our familiar surroundings, and going to a town that the first time I went, I saw the population sign and thought that I misread it <laughs> because it said, Quitman. 1,300. I said, Kathy, did that say 13,000? Did that say 130,000? She said, no, honey. I think that said 1,300. Is this where we're going? And she said, it might be where you're going. But she said, I have a problem. There's no mall. So we had to pray that through, but the Holy Spirit finally said go. So we left everything, had hands laid on us in our church. We were sent out. We stepped into the unknown. We got there first day we were there. I said, well, let's go out to eat. Where do you want to go? And I said, well, let's see what's there. We searched the whole town in two minutes. There was a Dairy Queen. I said, let's go to Dairy Queen. 
We had Dairy Queen light, Dairy Queen heavy, Dairy Queen at night, Dairy Queen in the afternoon. Finally, I said, where's Tyler? I've got to find a restaurant. And so we became totally acquainted with Tyler and Red Lobster because there was no restaurants in Quitman, not any. After church, you went to Dairy Queen. So here we go. We stepped in there, and it was the unknown. But do you know that by the time we left, I had a church of 500 people on a Sunday morning in a town of 1,300, two Sunday morning services, and it's still there and still healthy and still doing well. And that's where the fruit was. Let's stand together, can we? So sometimes the risk of letting go will require stepping into the unknown and the unfamiliar. But that's okay because God is with you.